One word from Jesus is enough. Are you ready to have one word from Jesus this morning? Because it was interesting. When we started to sing Jesus this morning, things started to increase. Things started to change. Jesus is on the scene. We went to Magic Kingdom. But I tell you, it's got nothing on his kingdom. <laughs> it may be magic, but it's nothing on God's kingdom. You can keep all that. I went to Universal. But I want to tell you, I know the one who is universal. The only one that is entire universal. He created the universe. He created the universe. My title today, and possibly moving into next week, is called Radical Jesus. Radical Jesus. What does radical mean? Radical means extreme, especially in regards to change from accepted or traditional forms. That's what you brought on Wednesday. You said when Jesus shows up, something is about to change. Yeah? When Jesus shows up on the scene, you better get ready because something is about to happen. That's radical Jesus, extreme, especially in regards to change from what is traditional. It's time to rise up, church. Jesus is growing us up. Wendy said it on Wednesday. Jesus is growing us up and he's waking us up. And I want to be ready. So if you're ready and you want to hear God's word, then I want you to turn to John chapter 5, please. John chapter 5 is ready to wake us up. Breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming. If you need a word from God this morning, then Jesus has got a word for you. Jesus has got a word for you. I promise I won't be speaking long this morning. My notes are only up to about three hours, so we'll be all right for that. Anybody... Yeah, if we start passing out or we start falling like Paul, one passed out when Paul was preaching once, didn't it? Fell asleep. Fell out the window. That's it. We're grounded though this morning. We're grounded. John chapter 5. And you've probably read this message before. You've probably heard it preached before. You've probably heard it um, delivered in a way that you think, wow, that's amazing. But I'm going to just bring what I believe God's saying this morning. It's the man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda. Before I do that, I need to just get this one. Some of you are thinking we're going to be doing Pilates or something this morning. Just lay that one there. That's it. You need to remind me that that's there, all right? For any of you lucky. Okay, Matthew, I know I can rely on you. All right, we'll leave that one there, okay? So this is chapter 5, verse 1. He says, And after there was a feast of the Jews... And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain times in the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there, who had an infirmity, a weakness, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up, while I'm coming down, another steps before me. But Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered and said to them, He answered them and said, Who who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they answered him and said, Who is this man that said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed didn't even know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him and said to him, See that you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. Who was it? It was Jesus that had made him well. Amen? Amen. Jesus is showing up on the scene. Verse 1. It says, and Jesus. Repeat after me, and Jesus. Already in verse 1, Jesus is here. And when you see that, and Jesus, you better be ready to say, uh-oh. Uh-oh, he's going straight in. Verse 1, Jesus is already coming up. I don't know what Jerusalem represents to you today. He was going up to Jerusalem. As a metaphor, I don't know what Jerusalem represents for you. What you need him for, it may be hurt, discouragement, frustration, whatever it is. I want to tell you, it says Jesus went up. Jesus went up to that place. Jesus is coming. It's all right, it's only a door that's shut. Jesus, better open the door actually, get some air in here, isn't it? Who's, Who's on door patrol? Anyway, go on Chris, keep it open, get some air flowing through here. And Jesus... When you see that name, get ready, because when Jesus comes on the scene, something is about to change. This man had been here 38 years, doing repetition every day, day after day, day after day, day after day, waiting, coming to church, doing the same thing, singing the same songs, going back to work on a Monday morning, doing the same repetition, repetition, until Jesus came. Jesus went. To that place. And Jesus. And Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem it says that there was a sheep gate. What was the sheep gate for? Sheep gate was for, hey, you doing all right? You've been teaching them well while we've been away. <laughs> the sheep gate was for sheep. But this kind of gate, there was only one way in. And so you went through the sheep gate. Who's on the camera this morning? (laughs) They went through the sheep gate. Those sheep weren't coming back out. There was one way in. These sheep were were there for the sacrifices in the temple, the sheep gate. There was only one way in. There wasn't a way out. They weren't coming back. But what I love about Jesus, John 10, Jesus, what does he say? Jesus says, I am the door. I am the gate for the sheep. Amen. 
I'm the door. And if anyone enters by me, they will be saved. There's no other way for salvation. We have to nail that right now. There isn't any other way to heaven. There's no other way but through Jesus, Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the gate, I'm the sheep gate. He was the sacrificial lamb for us, for our sin. No other way. And he says in verse 9 in John 10, have a look at it later. There's something very interesting. I've never seen it before. And he says, those who go in and out. (laughs) We don't just go in. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but then we go out into his purpose for our lives. And he says, those will go in and out because he's the good shepherd. There's not just one way in. And you stay in there and that's it. He says we go in and out and find what? We find pasture. Pasture. And the pastor. He's always around. We've got to open our hearts to Jesus this morning. And there's a pool, it says, that was next to that called Bethesda, which means literally house of mercy. House of mercy. See, Jesus is up to something here. There's something happening here. House of mercy. We've got all these people, all these people in this place, a house of mercy. That Jesus is our gate. He's our living water. He says, I am living water. Anyone who thirsts, come to me and you will be refreshed. Let grace and mercy flow. What does it say in Psalm 23? We love that. It says that he will make me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus is with me. And we can read that and we all know Psalm 23 so easy. We can read it kind of off our, off our heart. It just flows, doesn't it? But what we say when we go through the valley, I won't fear no evil. Why is that? Because he is with me. Sometimes we try to do it ourselves and we, we go in this direction and that direction. And Jesus has stood still and he's thinking, why are you going off there? Why is your mind drifting over that way? Why is your, why is your heart going over that way? Jesus said, I'm with you, but you've got to stay close to me. Wendy did Brilliant Wednesday saying that, you know, in times we struggle and we try and do it on ourselves, but sometimes we're in that place because unless we've got a struggle, we don't call and we don't depend on Jesus. We need to depend on him. And in verse 3, there's a great multitude of sick people, hundreds Scholars and theologians say probably thousands of people. There was a festival on. There was a, a feast of the Jews. So there was probably even more people. Sick. All waiting for a move of God. Expecting, hoping, dreaming. All broken in some way. Everybody. It was more like a house of misery than a house of mercy. Can you imagine the scene? We think it's hot today. Can you imagine in that place? We went down to Seton yesterday to go on a paddleboard and do certain stuff. And they've got, I don't know if you've been to Seton, you like going down to Seton, and they've got that little lake bit just by the cafe, don't they, before you get into the sea. And there was lots of kids in there. And as I, 
kids in this pool. <laughs> you know where I'm going? As we went by, I'm thinking, oh, what's that smell in the, in the pool? Yeah, it was really warm in, as well in there. But just thinking, I don't want to be it. Can you imagine this pool there with the, the stench of the heat and the, just the sickness and the disease? And See, it wasn't like in today where people get help for different diseases and different disabilities. This day, back in their day, you had to rely on the generosity of people. If you didn't have any, you were, you were alienated. You were put outside, kept away. Not like today. But here Jesus is coming. See, everybody has areas of brokenness. I've got areas of brokenness. You've got areas of brokenness. If I started mentioning stuff this morning, I'd eventually get to something that you struggle with. Eventually. We do very well at hiding it, don't we? Especially on a Sunday. <laughs> Especially on a Sunday. We walk through those doors and we're like, welcome team, how you do? Yeah, brilliant, yeah. Great week, oh yeah, the best week, you know, absolutely wonderful. The kids are behaving, job's going brilliant. You know, the sun's shining, it's so lovely and warm. It's... We've all got areas of weakness and brokenness. So be careful when you judge other people just because you're not weak in an area that they are because they may not be weak in an area that you are. We need to love one another. That's right. Have grace and mercy upon one another. The grace and mercy that he's bestowed upon us, we should be showing to one another yeah, in this amen. place, let alone out in, in the world. If we can't do it one another, amen. we got something wrong. That's right. I know we do do that in here. I'm not, not criticizing you, okay? We do do that in here. But there's something about our weakness and our brokenness that keeps us close to Jesus. What did Paul say in 2, uh, 2 Corinthians? He says that he had a thorn in the flesh. And he said that, that Jesus said to him, My grace is fit for in my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In it. You've been reading my notes again. In it. And we say, Jesus, take it away. Why have I got this problem? Why have I got this weakness? Why is this area in my life always so difficult to handle? Like Wendy said, we, we need Jesus. He says, my strength is made perfect in that weakness. He didn't take it away from Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the, the New Testament. Jesus says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. How will we know him as a strong God unless we've got a weakness? How will we know that? Paul went on, actually, even further to say, I'd rather boast. I'd rather boast about it. If it was me, I would sulk about it. All right, Joe, you don't need to agree so much. <laughs> She's, yeah, yeah, writing down the notes. Like, yeah, I'll write that down in my notes this morning. Yeah, he's a sulker. Yeah, he'll do. I would be defeatist about it. I would say, wow, I've prayed so many times, Lord, for you to take this away, and you still haven't done it. Oh, I can't go up there this morning and preach this morning. How can I come up here and preach this morning? How can I do this? How can I do that? But Paul said, I'd rather boast. I'd rather boast about it so that his, he gets the victory. Verse 5, it says, a certain man. I always love that in the Bible. So that usually means that I can put my name in there. 
You could put your name in there this morning. A certain man, a certain woman. Could be me, it could be you. Had a weakness. He was powerlessness. A character flaw, maybe. For 38 years. Do you know how long 38 years is? For mathematicians, I bet Mike could just say it like that. No? Huh? 38 in days. Go on, have a stab. 13,870. 13,870 days. Can you imagine being in the same place, lying down on a mat like this, just lying there? Oh, hell, I could do this for a couple of hours, actually. <laughs> Can you imagine just lying there like this for 13,870 days? And then wherever he wanted to go, he couldn't walk around. He kind of had to move and drag. Can you imagine doing that every, every day? I know Monday mornings are difficult sometimes, but can you imagine doing that for 13,000 days? After a while, it would start to get draining, isn't it? But we read this guy, and, we, and I've heard lots of people say about him making excuses, and you know, we'll get to that in a minute. Is this water fresh? How long has this water been here? Is, no, this been, is it fresh? Oh, lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you, brother. Rosie says that every night when we put her to bed. She's like... We go, I go walking down the stairs, and I hear her say, Daddy, and I'm like, yeah? And she goes, is my water fresh? <laughs> she said, is my water fresh? It's nearly 11 years. She's 11 this month, and she's going to me, is my water fresh? So like, I'm like, well, do it yourself. You can go and got legs, go and fill up. But then I go, all right, I feel bad then. And I go in and, yeah, all right, turn the tap on. Joe doesn't do it. She's like, no. I'm like, yeah, oh, bless her. Yeah, she needs fresh water. Definitely needs fresh water. Oh dear, is my water fresh? Oh dear. 38 years. Nothing has changed in that time. Nothing has changed in that time. When Jesus turns up, something always changes. But for this man, for 38 years, nothing has changed. Jesus, it says in verse 6, saw him and knew his struggle, knew he had been there a long time. And we could go into a whole message. Chris did a great word on Jesus Sees You the other month. You can catch it on YouTube. People joining in this morning, we've got, um, well, I think of that, we've welcomed to our people and guests from Belgium. We've got more people from Belgium listen to our podcast than any other country. Do you know that? I found out this week, day, we have a week, Davey said, isn't it? There's a few, quite a few people listening from, from Belgium. Oh, good day. Good day. Mate, how you doing, mate? Hopefully you get to the beach sometime this afternoon, put on the barbie. Should have worn my shorts for you, but hey, we welcome you. Yeah, Belgium, we got different. So you never know who we're speaking to on a Sunday. Don't know why I said that, but anyway, Jesus knows. Can you imagine the first few days and weeks of this guy? Sat there, the excitement in the first few days. Can you relate it to your spiritual journey when you first got saved? The excitement, the anticipation, the hope, the joy. Can you think of what this guy was 38 years ago in the first week, the first day, hearing that when the pool gets stirred, someone got healed? Can you imagine the, 
the anticipation of thinking, today's the day. I'm going to get, I've heard about this pool. I'm going to get there. And one day went by, two days went by, the excitement still. He's singing, he's dancing. Well, maybe not singing and dancing, but in his heart, we don't know what his struggle was. But can you relate it to your own life where you think, hey, I come into church, I'm a Christian, I'm raising my hands. Wendy's there doing her best and leading us with worship. And we're kind of there singing and clapping when we first get saved, yeah? And then after a few months, a few years of doing the same thing, hope slowly starts to drift away, doesn't it? When you're believing on God for something and you've been waiting 38 years for it, you say, God, are you even there? What am I doing standing at the front clapping my hands? What am I doing standing up here getting excited about Jesus when I'm waiting for something? When I'm in this struggle? After a while, you stop chasing the pool. The pool where the healing, you stop chasing the pool. And it says in verse 1, it says that there were five porches there. And all of a sudden, you're not the first one down to the pool. Put your towel out. <laughs> the Germans have got their phone up. <laughs> But you stop going down to the pool. Now you're just relaxing on the porch. You're starting to say, well, it is what it is. You ever said that? I have. <laughs> it is what it is. Why do I need to go chasing the pool for? I've been here 38 years. Wasting my time. I can't go anywhere else now. This is my identity. This is my life. It is what it is. It's over. I'm too old. I'm overlooked. I haven't got any qualifications. I don't know what you might be saying. Then you start looking at others saying, well, they may have been there for a few days at the pool and you'll be criticizing Give it a few more weeks, mate. You won't, be, you won't be first ones of the pool anymore. Give it a few more weeks. You won't be clapping and singing in church anymore. We start to criticize. Worship? No, I don't do that anymore. I just attend. See, the porch is the place that says it hurts to hope again. And we've all been there, haven't we? The porch is the place where you say, actually, it hurts to hope again. That's the place of the porch. But Jesus is coming. And Jesus. Verse 6, look at this. Jesus then said, or asked the guy a question. Jesus, I always thought, was the answer. Jesus is the answer, isn't he? He is the answer. But Jesus comes and he asks a question. The answer is now asking a question. See, there's many times in the Bible, I think someone counted the other week, one of the preachers that I was listening to actually said that they count for, Jesus asks 308 questions in the New Testament. <laughs> And when people, I think 
people asked him 105 or something, and Jesus only answered eight of them. Because <laughs> Jesus always asks a question. See, an answer is kind of the end, isn't it? It's like when you get the answer, that's it. It's final. It's done. But a question should always lead us on a quest. Quest beyond. <laughs> so it always leads us to discover so Jesus is always asking a question, even though he's the answer. And so he comes to ask this guy a question. He comes to ask, says, do you want to be made well? What a stupid question to a guy that's been there 38 years. Do you want to be made well? Jesus, what are you doing? What are you doing? Of course he wants to be made well. But this is where Jesus goes radical. He sees that sick person. Jesus goes gangster. You can't say gangster in church. Jesus goes gangster. He's going all in. If he was in the casino, he would put all his chips in. Okay, he's going all in. And this is where Jesus messes with my theology and probably yours. Okay, Calvinism, Armenian, whatever it is. All I want is Jesusism. Okay, because Jesus then, he starts going. There was a multitude of sick people. Okay, and so Jesus goes starting crawling over sick people. He starts going over sick people. Going by, saying, no, not you, not you today. Not you, that sick man, not you, not you. This is Jesus going radical. No, I've got to get over there. He's going there. Jesus is coming. Hang on, he's coming. He's coming. Jesus is going gangster, all right? He's going gangster. He's coming by, stepping over people that have been there years, years, until he finally got to the person. You're the chosen one. <laughs> I was thinking, where do I stop? <laughs> this is the big fingers come down, okay? And he says, do you want to be made well? Yes. No, he, but he didn't say yes. <laughs> I know you do. But can you imagine that? As Jesus is stepping over people, other sick people, going by other people. It doesn't say he healed any other people. Going by people, stepping over. No, excuse me. Excuse me. No, not. He, was he would have been polite. Excuse me, no, 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 Steve, not you, not you, not you. <laughs> He's already healed you, mate. But can you see what, when we read this, because it messes with my, when we talk about election and about, uh, this is just a guy, one guy in thousands, where he says, hey, I'm stepping over other people to get to you, to you. This morning to you. To you. See, this guy had given up. But Jesus hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. It was his goodness and his grace that was being shown here. We were in the house of mercy. What a display of God's mercy and God's grace that the Savior came looking for you and he came looking for me. And he came saying, hey, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Didn't that fill you with joy this morning? 
Because what Jesus was, in it, what was actually saying was that you don't need the pool anymore. You don't need the pool anymore. You don't need the pool anymore. Whatever the pool represents for you today, not just this man, but in your life, my life, Jesus is saying you don't need the pool anymore. It's doing nothing for you. I'm living water, Jesus says, standing before you. I'm living water, standing before you. Stop talking about the pool, what it represents, all past hurts, mistakes, whatever it may be. Stop talking about the pool and start talking about him. And then we have where people say that the guy was making up excuses. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And like Iris said, she said, yes. You think he would say yes, wouldn't you? As soon as Jesus said, do you want to be made well? You think you would be like, this is the day I've been waiting for for 38 years. This is it. This is it. Jesus is here. This is the day. 38 years, you would have thought that the text would have said he was so excited. He put his arms around Jesus and tried to kind of do his best. And you would have thought so, wouldn't you? But what was his response? He says, sir. I have no man, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. Which says to me that he didn't even know who Jesus was. <laughs> he didn't even know who he was. I have no man to put me in. While I'm even trying, somebody else jumps in front of me and gets there before me. I want to tell you, there were water slides in America, and these little American kids, they don't know how to queue. Me, Rosie, Chloe, Jack, and all of them were going up into trying to get, standing there like great British citizens, waiting in our turn in the queue, standing in my turn next, sort of thing. <laughs> and these little kids, there were no lifeguards around. As well. There was no, you know, don't do lifeguards in America, apart from on Baywatch, but they... <laughs> We, were still, we had to fend for ourselves. So I got our English kids into a huddle. And I was like, right, we're going to take these American kids out. I ain't standing. I'm, this is your pastor talking now. I'm, I'm not waiting. In, if they ain't waiting, neither am I. So we were barging them out. <laughs> these kids, no, you're not going. They're like, Rosie, get down there. Quick, get. They just didn't know how to queue. As we were waiting to go down the water slide, others were jumping in before us. This is the same as this guy here. He was doing his best. Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> Didn't that say about us, our own effort? Yeah. Our own effort, our own toil. At times we're doing our best, Lord. I'm trying, but I've got no man. Isn't it funny that this guy was surrounded by similar people? That was all he knew, but he was still lonely. He was still lonely. I've got no man. Feeling lonely today? Looking at your life saying, I haven't really got any close friends. You might have lots of followers on Facebook, TikTok, whatever, but 
Are you lonely today? Because <laughs> Jesus says he's coming. The man that says, I have no man, there was a man that was stood there. Hallelujah. And the implication in verse 8, I love the implication. Dug a little bit deeper this week. The implication here in verse 8 is that the man that was making excuses saying, I've got no man to put me in. Every time I go down, somebody else steps in front of me. The implication here is that he would have carried on making excuses. He may have gone back to saying, when I was a child, this happened. I didn't get much of an education. I've never been married. I've never had kids. I've never, whatever. Jesus interrupts him. That's the implication of the word here. It says, as he was saying about others, come down and step before me. Jesus just said, rise. Rise. He interrupted the man mid-flow. How rude, Jesus. You can't interrupt me. I'm telling you about all my life. I've got a pity party going on. How dare you, Jesus, interrupt me when I'm telling you my life story. How it's been really bad for me. Jesus interrupts him mid-flow and says, rise. Take up your bed and walk. That thing that you've relied on for years, take it up and walk into what I've got for you. Get up from past hurts and past pains and walk in the purpose that I have for you. One word from Jesus was enough. See, what I love about this guy is he did it. He rolled up his mat. Now you know what the mat was for. He rolled up his mat. Can you imagine? He rolled up his mat and he put it under his arm and he walked. Can you imagine that, that joy? That joy? See, carrying your mat, this is your testimony. Your mat is your testimony. Aye. It's coming. This is your testimony. I want you to see this this morning, that he literally carried his mat. He got up. He walked. He carried his testimony. So that others, I want to try and encourage you to say, carry your mat as your testimony. So that others say, if he did it for you, he can do it for me. Amen. Carry your mat. And then it goes off a little bit. We're coming in for a close. Appreciate you sticking with me. Verse 9, it says that he did it on the Sabbath. You think Jesus knew what day it was? <laughs> Jesus didn't just do it on a random day. Jesus is not just radical. He's strategic. It was the Sabbath. Jesus, how dare you? You've interrupted this person. How dare you? It was the Sabbath. That's just not coincidence. He knew what he was doing. What did Jesus want? Jesus wanted everybody to look at this man carrying his mat. Just like Jesus wants you to carry your mat so that others see your goodness of God in your life. He knew what he was doing. And what did the religious people say? The religious people, it says, 
yeah, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat on the Sabbath. In a silly little voice. Uh, what are you doing? They weren't clapping and cheering, thinking, wow, this guy has been healed. They were like, uh, a bit like Joe taking notes on me. She's uh, what are you doing over there? So uh, what have you been doing today? You're a pastor of the church. You should be doing this. You should be doing it's a little... What are you doing carrying your mat? Can you imagine? But I want to tell you, if you can't walk in criticism, then you're going to struggle in your Christian life. When someone says something about you, and you get offended, you're going to be up and down. Up and down. Up and down. Jesus says you're going to have trouble. This man had criticism, and he didn't even know who Jesus was. They asked him, who healed you? He didn't even know. He didn't even know his name. And we say there, we've got to preach the gospel, and we've got to send leaflets out, and we've got to, which is good to do. But I want to tell you, when Jesus comes for you, you don't need any of that. He wasn't even looking for a miracle. But the miracle came and found him. Hallelujah. And me, and you. But if you can't walk in criticism... See, recently I've been criticized. <laughs> yeah, first time. I know, and I'm not saying for you to say, feel bad for me. I'm not, because actually it was kind of a thing where I thought, well, I'm obviously doing something right then. If you're criticizing me, I'm obviously doing something right. So don't feel bad for me. But if I can't walk in criticism, then I'm not doing my job properly. I'll be up and down thinking, oh, they don't love me. Oh, I've said something wrong now. I've said something that's going to help change her life and they didn't like it, so they criticized. Oh, woe is me. Rob, I can't preach again for another six weeks. You're going to have to... <laughs> it, was Rob that, it was Rob that criticized me. <laughs> I can't speak now for another six weeks. They don't love me. Oh, God, I'm going to put my mat back down and I'm going to lie on it. Oh, Jesus, I know you've healed me, but, oh, but that's what we do, don't we? That's what we do. We go back to our map, the familiarity, because someone's criticized us. But this man had a walk in criticism with the religious people. Rather than celebrating with him, they were rejecting him and criticizing him. That's a sure sign that you're doing something right. You haven't got to hate. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Love those. Bless those that persecute you. Bless those that speak spitefully about you. Bless them. I'll tell you, it's the hardest thing to do. You can only do it when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I had an instance in, in America where we were waiting for Dunkin' Donuts. We were getting a coffee, and I don't want to go into it too much, but the spirit of Peter, when he lopped off the guy's ear, came upon me. We were desperate to get to Miami for our flight, and we had to wait 50 minutes for a coffee. 50 minutes! And I was stood there in peace. I was thinking, Lord, I was there praying in tongues and kind of, I nearly got my prayer mat out. I was waiting for, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And we were under tight time schedule. We weren't even in Miami yet. We got another two hour drive to Miami. I'm stood there thinking, when do you actually say something? You know, when you've ever been there before where you think like you're waiting for something, like someone's serving you, and you think, how long do I wait before you make a bit of a, you say something? Yeah, is anyone, anyone with me? Come on, we're, I know we're English. And so I was there, and, and Joe was looking at me, and she's like, don't you say a word. It takes a lot. 
It takes a lot for me to get annoyed, okay? Most of you know me. It takes a lot, yeah? It ta- I, I've got a long, whatever you long tether, a long... It takes a lot. But 50 minutes for a coffee, that is mental. And in the end, I had to say something. And there was lots of people. There was a multitude of people around waiting for their coffee, literally about this amount of people. And I just started saying, guys, this is not good enough, I said... <laughs> And I think I even started clapping my hands and going, you've got to be doing better than this. I'm going. And Jill just went, get out to the car, she said. You're embarrassing. So I stormed off with my mat. (laughs) But we do, don't we? We do. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. (laughs) Goodness, I don't even know why. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. That Jesus is coming. And I want you to see this mat. I know we just shouldn't have ended on a bit of laughter because it's probably changed a bit of the... But I want you to see this mat. Because I want this to be something that you look on today to say, Jesus, I want to respond to your word. See, when the man responded... It was his responsibility to respond to Jesus. What's responsibility? It's your ability to respond. Jesus didn't pick up his mat for him. You see that in the text. Jesus didn't do that for him. The man had to do that. Jesus commands and says a word, but we've got to respond to it. We've got to say, Jesus, yeah, my faith, let faith arise. See, in the text, it doesn't even say the man had faith. Ooh. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm convinced he did, because or else he wouldn't have got it. But, but it doesn't say, hey, according to your faith, like the woman with the issue of blood, with others where it says, according to your faith, you get, it doesn't even mention that in here. Nothing about faith. But there must have been a spark in there. There had to be. But I want to tell you, that encourages me, because on a day on, when you wake up and you think, God, I've got nothing. It is what it is. I've been waiting so long for this. It is what it is. I've got nothing, Lord. I've got nothing left to give. Like this man, it doesn't even say that he had faith. And Jesus says, hey, rise up. Pick up your mat and walk. And so I want to encourage, I know the kids are making noise. Can you just be quiet just for a sec? Because I want you to concentrate and hear this. It's to say in this, this period, is to say, hey, I'm picking up my mat. I'm not staying by the pool anymore. The pool does nothing for me. Whatever the pool represents for you today, comfort or being relied on to say, hey, I'm picking this up. The calling, the purpose that Jesus has placed on my life and I'm walking in it. I'm walking in that miracle today. I just want you to close your eyes, please. I want to give you another chance to respond to Jesus. See, the guy made excuses, and you may have been making excuses for many, many years. I want to give you opportunity to say today, the excuses stop, finish. The excuses end. To give you opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. If that's you, I want you just to shoot your hand in the air to respond to Jesus. With all eyes closed. Today is the day. Those excuses have to come to an end. 
To say, Jesus, I respond to you. Thank you. What about thank you? Thank you. Does people respond? Thank you. People responding in this place. How about you? To respond to Jesus, say, hey, I'm carrying my mat. I've made excuses too long. Jesus, you're here. I want to respond to you, Jesus. I'll give you a couple more seconds and then I want to pray for those people. Thank you, Lord. Move away from the pain to hope again. The porch was a place where it hurts to hope again. Maybe today that you have to say, hey, I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again. So thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the people here that have responded to you, Lord. They haven't responded to me. They've responded to your word this morning. Your word. And so, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you rise them up, Lord. You, there be a rising, a raising, that they walk, they take up their mat. And that they walk in the purpose and the destiny that you have promised them. For you who promised us faithful. Your word doesn't return void, Lord. And so, Lord, for how many long, how long they've been waiting, how long things have been difficult, whatever it is that is personal to them, Jesus, you said you saw the man and you knew his condition. You knew his struggle. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus sees you and he knows your struggle. But he says to you, rise up. Walk. In criticism, but walk in freedom. More importantly, walk in victory. Yes, we said he walked in criticism, but he was walking in victory. That is the walk that you walk today is a walk of victory and celebration of Jesus who loves you so much. And you roll that mat up. Whatever that mat represents to you, you roll it up and you walk with it. You strut with it. Walk in freedom this morning. So, Lord, those people that responded to you, Lord, even people that have not felt confident to lift their hands, Lord, you know their heart. You know their heart. And I pray in this next season, Lord, that they walk, they be radical, just like you are radical, Jesus, that they be radical for you, Lord. And they walk with this mat as a testimony of your goodness and your grace, that this is a house of mercy. This is a house of of grace. This is a safe place, Lord, for your children to come and worship and feel safe. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've done today. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we're expectant. Whether it's three years, 10 years, 15 years, three months, whatever it may be, Lord, I'm expecting even again for the finances for this building, Lord. That, Lord, I'm expecting, even when we're not expecting, an envelope may just turn up. Who knows? You know, Lord. My job is to still believe in you and to not lay down on that mat and give up and say it is what it is. But to say, hey, Jesus, you're coming. And Jesus, and Jesus came. Can you say amen to that this morning? Can you say Amen. Amen. Pick up your mat and walk in victory this morning. Hallelujah. Have a great rest of the day.